Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 562 for the 18th of Sivan in a regular year. This episode has been generously sponsored by Javi Kellimer in loving memory of Yehuda ben Dovber, of blessed memory, whose joy of teaching Torah inspired many others. May this learning give his neshama an aliyah. So a common understanding, uh, like a kind of colloquial understanding of God, like if you were to ask the average person on the street, what is God? How do you understand God? Then maybe some more spiritualist might say that God is the soul of the world. And on first glance, that might sound like a pretty good assessment, right? Like there's sort of like this underlying power, this underlying force that's throughout the world. And maybe we think of that as God. But what we'll learn about today is this actually is a very inaccurate description of God. And while there might be some parallels between the relationship of the soul and God, and in terms of like the soul and its relationship to the body, to God in relationship to the world, the parable really breaks down. And we'll see that these two things are not actually one in the same at all. And the reason why is because when you look at the soul in relationship to the body, well, it's true that the we can think of our soul, like when that's another question is what is our soul? We can and we've discussed this a little bit more in at length in the first part of this of the Tanya in Likutea Marim, then we in that case we do feel that like the animating force within our body, the vitality within our body, we can think of that as sort of like our soul. Nevertheless, the soul and the body do have very distinctive characteristics and they're not coming from the same place. So ultimately, the place that the body receives its nourishment from is not really directly from the soul. While the soul does vitalize itself and express itself through the body, where does the soul get its vitality from? From food, right? So whether we're talking about like, let's say if we talk about a fetus in within the womb of its mother before it's born, then it's receiving its nourishment from the mother through the um- umbilical cord. And then once we're born, once we're here in the world, we use, we, we eat food. We need this food in order to survive. So we're not like, while we do have this soul that infuses us without, there is this physicality to the body that we can't escape that really has nothing to do with the soul. That's really very separate from the soul, which is not the case when we look at God in relationship with the world. The interconnectedness between these two things is much more profound and much more entrenched in the sense that the not only does the nourishment of the, the, the world come from God, but the entirety of its existence, the, the whole reason why it's there is because of God. So there is no substantial existence to the world at all 
other than God. God is constantly bringing this world into existence, something from nothing all the time. So what we'll see is, and we've already kind of mentioned this a little bit, is that a much more apt analogy for understanding the relationship between God and the world, rather than saying that God is the soul of the world, we can understand that it's more in terms of looking at the sun and sunlight. And that's why we keep using this analogy over and over because the sun and sunlight are really much more similar to each other in the sense that if you were to actually take that sunlight, as we mentioned, and shine it into the sun, then it would totally disappear because really sunlight is nothing but sunness, really. And then just like with the analogy of the sun, that the existence of the sun of sunlight only exists when it's apart from its source. So, so too, can we not have any kind of existence of our own unless we are outside of our source? But now the whole thing is, as we mentioned, we're never outside of our source. We're constantly within the source of God because there's nothing other than God. So then the question remains, and we had brought this up previously, is how is it that we exist? And how is it that we are able to feel this sense of tangible concrete existence, this is due to God's quality of restraint of the symptom as we, as we spoke about it, which is this like amazing ability, which is no less amazing than God's ability to create is his ability to conceal himself within this creation. And yet, nevertheless, the true truth that we need to recognize is that in truth, we're really all in our source. And from the source's perspective, namely from God's perspective, then there really is nothing but God. And we really are totally just a manifestation of godliness. And so this is sort of, it's it's very paradoxical in nature. So we kind of need to, to hold these two truths in our minds at the same time, that we do have an, a, a, an actual existence of our own that's due to God's ability of constraint, but yet from his perspective, then we don't. And so it's, so this is the subject of today. And so th- this is kind of like just an overview that I gave you guys of, of uh, what we're going to learn today. So let's get into the text. And so uh, for context, we are still in the middle of chapter six of Sharia Chodvamuna, and we're actually going to conclude the chapter today. So here we go. So for context, so as a reminder, the basis of this entire Sefer really started with a verse that is from the book of Dvarim, which we say in the Shema, which is, that you should implant it in your heart or place it in your heart that God is your God and the heavens above and the earth below, there is none other. And we discussed how this wasn't just like a warning to us to not believe in two gods, but actually to teach us that there is only God, that there is nothing apart from God in the world. And so today we're going to begin and bring up this verse again, and we're going to elaborate more upon what this means in terms of the soul versus the body versus God versus the world, as I discussed in the introduction. So the ultra rabbit begins here and he says that this is why the scripture made such a point of warning us so much that uh, that we should that you should know today and you should implant this in your heart, etc. So that like, why, why do we need this big reminder? So, and so this is be in order for us to not have it arouse in our minds that the heavens and all of their hosts and this earth and everything filling this earth are something in and of itself and that God just like fills this entire world in a way of how the soul vests itself within the body. So like 
basically what the altar is teaching us is that a person might come to the conclusion that it's like they're here in this world, they're looking around the world and they see this world and they're a very meditative kind of person, they're a contemplative kind of person. And let's say they come to an awareness of God, which might seem like a really amazing thing in their own, in its own right. And they say, okay, so I realize that I'm here in this world, but there's this force that's that exists in this world. That's something that's beyond this world. And let's say they call this force God. So that might seem like a very lofty thing. That might seem like they're really in this like godly kind of consciousness. But the ultra Rabbi says, no, that's not that's still very limited because by saying that there's this force called God that's infused here in this world, you're saying that there's God and then you're saying that there's the world. So you're saying that these are two separate things. And then the ultra rabbi goes on and he says that like, yeah, like this kind of person might be saying that like, okay, so like this force that we call God. So we look at it and we see how it causes vegetation to grow in the world and causes the movement of the heavenly bodies to move like the planetary movements and all of that stuff and he's doing this in accordance with his will so so let's say a person comes to this conclusion that not only is god present in the world and god and the god's this like force in the world but let's say somebody says that god is actually an activating force and a willful force and he's the one that's running the show here and so a person can say to themselves you know what this is like this is like how i have a soul and i have a body and how does my body activate itself how, how does my body move it's because of the soul that's within me within me that's animating me and moving me and vitalizing me however the ultra says this is not a good parable because it's not the parable. well we might be able to think of the soul and the body and think of the world and God in this way and it might be helpful like to a certain extent maybe coming to this like baseline understanding of like that there's something beyond just the physical world that we see the ultra says that this is not the parable actually breaks down because the soul and the body are actually two two different things and they have two very different sources and the body does not come from the soul it's not like you have the soul and then the soul like gives birth to the body that's that's not what happens but rather the the body is born of its mother and father so you know how a child is born there's a mother and a father and through their intimate union this produces a child so it's a very physical process it's not it's not a spiritual thing that happens it's a very physical biological i mean this is something that scientists study in a very raw physical kind of way and not only this then with the body how does it grow it doesn't even grow from the soul at least not from the soul alone but rather it comes through the food and drink first of all from the mother in the nine months of pregnancy and afterwards when the child is born through its own eating and drinking which is not the case when we think of the heavenly the heavens and the earth the heavens and the earth don't get nourishment from anything physical their entirety of their uh of their existence everything their their whole life their whole existence comes something from nothing completely just from the speech of god and from the spirit of god's mouth and even to this very day, like even right now, God's, the, God's speech is constantly and perpetually influencing them in order to bring them into existence, something from nothing all the time. So again, creation was not a one-time event. It's not like God created the world and now there's like this force in the world that's underlying the world and is like here and maybe even kind of running the show. No, it's, this is a perpetual process of really bringing the world into existence, something for nothing all the time. And so the ultra says that a more apt analogy to understand this is like the light 
coming from the sun as it is within the body of the sun itself. So thus these existences, these things in the world and the thing, even the spiritual worlds, the heavens and all of that are truly nullified like in total nullification in comparison to in relation to the speech of God. Like they have absolutely no existence other than the speech of God in the face of the speech of God and the spirit of God's mouth, which are totally unified with God himself. So really they have no existence other than God. God is the only true reality. As will be explained further on, we're going to elaborate this upon this concept even further um, in talking about the nullification of the light of the sun in the sun. And so then the question is, as we've mentioned previously, so how is it that we exist then if we're all nullified within the source, just like the light of the sunlight is nullified within the, the sun, this is due to God's gvura, God's attribute of gvura, of might and symptom and constriction, which allows him to hide himself and conceal himself, conceal this vitality, which is influenced within them so that it will seem, it will appear as if the heavens and the earth and all of their hosts are something of itself. So it's this really grand illusion that we all have our own independent existences. But this, is, this isn't the true, true, true reality because the symptom, the, the constriction and the concealment is only from our perspective. But in, from God's perspective, from the perspective of God, everything exists as if not in nothing just like the light of the sun within the sun itself. So it's like from the sun's perspective, sunlight isn't a real thing. <laughs> There's no such thing as sunlight. There's like the sun, right? And so this mita of Gvura, as power, powerful as it is, it does not, God forbid, hide it from God himself because there is nothing in the face of God other than God and God himself. So coming back to that uh, famous question of like, can God... Uh, create a rock that he can't move so it's like like it's like yes and no you know it's like yes god can create the illusion of there being a rock that he can't move but because the rock is coming from him ultimately he's the one that has the power over it you know but yet yes he could create such an entity that could appear as if there is something outside of him that there is something that's beyond his control so that's the end of the chapter. That's it for today. So the final thought to really remember is that while it might seem like a really amazing and very spiritual and very high level of consciousness to come to an awareness of God's existence at all and to God's presence within the world and to the fact that even God is running the show within the world, we actually are called upon to have an even a higher level of consciousness than this and to realize that not only is God here and present within our world and within all of the worlds and not only is God the motivating and driving force within our worlds he's actually the one that is we, that we are totally dependent upon for our existence our very existence something from nothing literally at every single moment of every single day at all times so that's it for today and so we will continue tomorrow when we begin chapter seven and i will speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarit switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather abraham yitzhak ben benyamin cohen of blessed memory music by shoshana if you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. 
To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.